0: it!
1: Sweet. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball brought to you by Closet by Design of St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould joined today here in... Las Vegas. So I guess we're technically leaving Las Vegas, but by, by Gordon Wyndmeier, who is going to uh, regale us with tales of the North Side and opinions from Chicago of NBC Sports Chicago. Um, if I can draw them away from the slot machine here, right? That's what this is. Yeah, I'm already down a little bit. Uh, yeah, you can. I, I've got time uh, in between losses here. So, make the case for. I, I should That's Gordon Wintmeyer, NBC Sports Chicago, longtime Cubs B rider of the Chicago Sometimes, longtime baseball rider, has covered twins and what? A, angels and Mariners. Yeah, just all over the place. Until you came to the National League and started to learn how baseball was covered, right? Yeah, all right. Um, make the case for Wilson Contreras. Why should the Cardinals. Pull the uh, the lever and hope that it comes out triple sevens with Wilson Contreras. Ooh, with that I'm going to spin first. Hold on. That was
0: not triple sevens. Uh, well, look, he's. I understand the criticism, you know. And if I if I didn't know it before the GM meetings, talking to some of the executives, I I, uh, I learned even more kind of what the industry uh, evaluation of him is. I I think the idea is that he's, if he wants like elite money, elite level uh, years in AAV, that he he's not the defensive catcher, the receiving catcher that uh, might necessarily merit that in a lot of teams' minds. Maybe especially as he's trying to replace a guy named Yadier Molina. So uh, I get that. But uh, there's nobody out there uh, who's available at that position who has the bat. And the Cubs found kind of a uh, recipe for getting the most out of that bat when when they used the DH and they brought in Jan Gomes to share the catching duty. So it got... It got him out from behind the plate a little more often without taking him out of the lineup, which you could argue adds value to him if you have the luxury of having that other guy. Um, And and the other thing, you know, know, look, he brings a sort of an intensity and an edge and a competitiveness, and he and he is a caring uh, teammate, a guy that cares about the team and about winning. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, so this is a guy who uh, not everybody has that, and that's not anything you can coach up. That's you have it or you don't, and he's one of those guys that does. So the, I believe there is value there. And the other thing to keep in mind is, look, this guy was a rookie. He broke, broke in in June, a few months before he started five games in the World Series for a team that hadn't won in 108 years and did not shrink from the assignment uh, and and performed pretty well. They won. And he was on a lot of winning teams uh, that, that won a lot in the postseason, too, at, at that point moving forward in his career. And he's actually a better defensive catcher now than he was back then. So I, I think sometimes the knock against him is, is easy to, to make. I think some of it, if not outdated, at least can stand to be updated. And, uh, and, and so... Uh, I I think all of this, in addition to the qualifying offer, is going to dampen uh, the interest in him. Plus, there's a decent trade market out there potentially. Um, but I think at the end of the day, somebody's going to get a
1: pretty damn good player. You you wrote during the course of the season and have, and have revisited that he would like to hear from the Cardinals. What, what's the what's the interest on his side? Is it? The team, is it competing against them all year, is it the notion of being the guy who follows Yadier Molina, who um, I think there was an, an Instagram exchange between them of note there years ago where he uh, was very vocal and Yadier yeah, was respect your elders, I believe was the phrase. Um, what, what was the sentiment on his side toward the Cardinals? Yeah, it's, it's it's
0: funny. I talked to him. I think last year when we went into St. Louis about what I said. Yeah, a little. You had a little bit of a. Back and forth. I, I can't remember what I called it. It was a little more of a back and forth. Maybe I called it a, a flap or, or something. And he said, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was just a disagreement. Or a, it was a misunderstanding. And that's what... And
1: actually, he reached out to him point. and said that, yeah.
0: Exactly. And he made a he made a, an emphatic point, I mean, to, to find him, to explain himself. Because, you know, God, he's a little thin-skinned. At times, right, and and I think he just took it, however he wanted to take it. When in reality, Wilson was saying, "These guys in this picture at the All Star game are really friggin' good, and that's where I want to be. Yeah. That's what he meant, you know." And it, something was lost in the translation or whatever. They've since developed something of a relationship, yeah. and uh, he, I think, he would relish the idea of being the guy that could come in on a multi-year deal. Uh, as the primary guy after yadi And 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 that's the and that's the kind of guy he is. Not everybody would relish following that act. And and it's not it's not arrogance that he thinks he can be the next yadi Molina. He's he c- considers himself the current Wilson Contreras <laughs> and and would and would continue to look at himself that way. But the 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 history of that position in that place, the market, the the winning tradition there the just the way they do things he reached out to a friend of his on that team jose quintana during the season to just see what it was like from the inside from somebody he trusted and got you know a lot of a lot of good things said about that and and i think uh look i i've talked to him a a lot about this and i do very much believe he would love that i think if you just said, what would his first choice be if everything else was equal?
1: I think that would be his first choice. It's interesting because the way you describe him, you can see like where he gets the contract he wants. Oh wait, hold up. Hold up. I'm going to spin one more time. All right. So close. Damn. Damn just just off okay. all right it does seem like the way you described him, like he could get the deal that he desires in length but have it have the real reality that he's a catcher at the beginning of it and then a dh at the end of it does that make sense like that his position changes as he goes through well, the I'm, years of the contract yeah I'll, I'll i'll go i'll go in more detail on that because look he's got
0: defensive versatility i want to say his first game in the majors I think he played left field. It was certainly his first series in the majors. He played left field. He he was a third baseman originally in the minors and got converted because of it, the, his athleticism and it was a quicker track to the big leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can play corner infield and in a pinch corner outfield. And obviously uh, he's adjusted to uh, DH and, and performed well in that role. So, yeah, he could. You could move him around in, in the in the at the front end of a deal, or the back end of a deal, or or he could if his if his legs age a little more than his bat does, you could you could age him off of, of, of or wean him off of the catching, and, and use him somewhere else more primarily. Um, but I think uh, I don't see any reason why you know the, the, the deals out there. Uh, for the top, you know, you're probably looking at what, four or five years, probably. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, I don't see any reason why he can't perform over four or five years.
1: Where do you? What do you think the chances are of him returning to the Cubs? Are are they less than one percent? Are they somewhere greater than fifty percent? Where would you put him at? Yeah, I'd put it a lot closer to one percent. Um, there are
0: some people in the organization that wonder what his market's going to look like and wonder if that could create an opportunity. They would bring him back. They're just—I mean—they didn't even discuss a contract extension with him over the last year. Um, some of that stuff we discussed about the industry of where where they want to go with the position um, and also where they want to spend their money. So anyway, they, he, he's they would bring him back on a short term um, they don't see that happening um, I think that would be a disaster because if it if it happened it means that he's, he's doing it because he did the market wasn't there for him he's, he's going to be bitter he's, he's already hurt hurt more than he is angry that they never even approached him in the last year or two about an extension at all actually more, closer to three or more years and uh, he <laughs> they tried to trade him at the deadline, had a deal fall through with Houston in the final 24 hours, had nowhere to go to regroup and find a market for him, build a market for him. And so they kept him. He had told, he had told all of us in the media how, how great it was to be there, and, and twice, like the last home stand, the last day, yeah, of, yeah. and he then had two it, farewells. Well, no, he had three. Okay. Because he had the last one at Wrigley before the trade deadline, but then they went on the road before the trade deadline. Okay. So, so then his last game before the deadline. In San Francisco, he talked with us again, very emotional about this is it. and Because they had an off day the next day, and then they opened in St. Louis uh, a few hours after the deadline in, in the next series. He thought that was it. He said, going to take the uniform off. This will probably be the last time. Then all of a sudden, he doesn't get traded. And now, now the end of the season, he does it all over again. Maybe it's four times because they finished on the road. So he did it again his last home game of the season. Then he did it again in Cincinnati the last game of the season. It was brutal
1: emotionally on this guy. If they don't bring him back and the Cubs are saying that they are going to increase payroll, what are they going to do? And where do you think they are in terms of closing the gap on the Cardinals? They're a long way from closing the gap on the Cardinals. A
0: long way. They they, they don't have enough they don't have enough money to spend this year
1: to make up that gap going into next year. Where are they going to spend the, if they're going to raise payroll? Where are they going to spend the money on arbitration guys? On I mean, they, they, Jed talked about adding a whole lot of pitchers, so they're just going to throw quantity of pitchers, acquire all the all the six million dollar arms they can. That would fit the character.
0: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, what they'll probably do, they're going to. Look, look, they're in on Senga, the Japanese free agent. Um, I don't know what he's going to cost. Let's say a four-year deal at fifteen to twenty a year. Might be more than that because if he's if he's people think he's healthy, that guy's got some serious stuff. But you know, there's still the any oh and nobody has to pay a posting fee for him. Right, that. right. So so it could go higher than that. But they're in on him. They like him. They've got Sayo Suzuki who's already reached out to him. So there's this idea that you can make maybe both players better by having them both as teammates in the same place as they as Seiya continues his transition culturally and this guy starts his so they're in on him I don't expect they're going to be in on Rodon but you know the Taiwan Walkers of the world maybe and so beyond that they're going to they're going to look at the big end of the shortstop market there's only four of them there. That's
1: a musical chairs game right there, because there's a lot of teams that are that have some money and are looking at those guys. Twice as many teams as players available, right? Or twice as many teams as shortstops available, is how Boris put it, right? That's how Boris put it. And if you start actually looking around,
0: look with the shift going away and the way everybody's talking about, they got to get more athletic in the middle infield, and the money that more that a lot of teams have. It's conceivable that it's three times as many teams. Mm-hmm. I think if you if you look at it, including the teams that are losing the guys that are free agents. Yeah.
1: So uh, it's a little bit like real quick just a story. It's a little bit like after what 2004, where the where the shortstops all changed teams. Do you remember this? Like uh, Edgar Renteria went to Boston from St. Louis to Boston. Oh, yeah. Orlando Cabrera went from Boston to Anaheim, and David Eckstein went from Anaheim to St. Louis. Yeah. Right. Right. Ex- except that was nice and neat. Yeah.
0: And this is going to be a free-for-all. And it was, all right. Yeah, so, so they're in the mix on that. I mean, if they really want to focus on a guy, they've tended in the past when they focus on one guy, they'll get him. But I, think if you got, I don't think that's the case here. I think they're looking at a few guys. I don't think they have an appetite for super long contracts. Trey Turner might get... I mean it's crazy to say. He might get overpaid relative to what's already considered a, a high value for him. Maybe overpaid in years or something like that. He's so good. He's such a spectacular player. That's the thing, right? And his value's gone up probably since the season began. And and again, when the rules changes were announced because his skill set is perfect for the rules changes too. So yeah, yeah. I don't know where they land on that, but if they get one of those guys and they get a pitcher like Senga, that's where most of that money's going to go. And that's still not going to get you there catching, you know, replacing Wilson Contreras. That's probably down the list. They need to fill some some first base. Uh, they've talked to Trey Mancini, Bell. Uh, they, they're looking into Abreu, and they and they're going to Jose
1: Abreu, first baseman of Chicago White Sox fame. Exactly.
0: And then they're looking at center field. I mean. There's not a lot out there. They're certainly not in a in a judge or, or even Nimo market. You know, Nimo's going to get insanely paid for who he is. But uh, there's Kiermaier now. That's what I was going to say. They are looking at that. Kiermaier's out there now, and and Bellinger might be available too. They don't need a necessarily a full-time guy. They'll use a rotation out there, but they need a guy that's probably going to get most of the innings there. And and so those are. I mean, there really aren't very many.
1: But they're definitely, that's something they're committed to going outside the, the organization for. From your vantage point, rank the teams in the NL Central next year in terms of their intentions to compete at all. Well, obviously the Cardinals are first.
0: Um, and, and I don't care how many absolutes I hear out of the Cubs that they intend to compete next year. Everything from the ownership level down to the front office has suggested that they're choosing to limit themselves uh, and, and and probably continuing to. I mean, they're going to do this in, in stages and increments, I think. I mean, I think you'll see a big step forward for them this year, but they're not going to be anywhere close to being able to compete for a pennant and they might be a ways off from competing for a division. If things fall right and they land a few of these players we're talking about, maybe they get into that six-team field. Maybe. But then that's everything going right. Uh, I don't see that. To spin the sevens, right? Yeah, let me do it again.
1: So close.
0: I'm play two lines this time. Uh, yeah, so I I slot the Brewers ahead of them, and obviously the Reds and the Pirates aren't anywhere close to even trying to pretend that they're competing. So it just like it finished.
1: Yeah. And we, and then where, from you know, from your viewpoint, where are the Cardinals in terms of the National League? Because that's what matters now. Like this is the something that I wonder if teams are going to get over. You know, I talked to James Click, um, the general manager of Houston Astros, for the moment may not be when this podcast posts. We don't quite know yet, um, but he, uh, in, in talking with him, he said you have to change your point of inflection, is what he put it. It's not enough to win the division. Yeah, no wonder
0: everybody hates the Astros.
1: <laughs> you, uh, you know, it's no longer good enough to win the division. you got to finish first or second. So in the National League, where, I mean, if the Cardinals are far and away competing and ahead in the central are they even close to being in the penthouse in the national league no i don't see it i mean
0: out west there's still a couple of juggernauts out there short term at least and the giants are talking a big spending game right farhan said yesterday there are no players that will be unavailable to us based on resources and so, you know, first thing, images of, of Aaron Judge uh, and, and, and maybe one of the premier pitchers,
1: Jacob Degrom and Aaron Judge going from the, the New York team to New York teams to San Francisco, like biggest move since the Dodgers left Brooklyn, kind of stuff is crazy. That would be fascinating, and and it's not impossible. I mean,
0: Degrom, the, the, the beauty of Degrom is you could you could just kill him with uh, AAV but you're not going to have to give him years right so it's not a long term commitment and uh, you know judge you'll need to give him years and so it could be it could work but it, it, then you look out east and you know the the, the Mets are going to spend the Braves already have a championship roster locked up for years um, and they just had they got two guys are going to finish 1 2 in rookie of the year that's that's how how good they are with guys coming um, the Phillies we just saw what the friggin Phillies did that was not a fluke that they are a good team so you know I don't I don't know if uh, if your guy wants to go out there and and, and get a frontline player sure sure of that you know you had some depth you, you, things fall right you know maybe It will take a 100 wins to get in that top two. it is
1: it's a it is a hundred wins to get in there maybe even 101. I don't know about you I don't see I don't see your boys as a 100 win team I mean how about get some
0: left-handed slug how about get you know some a horse or two
1: you know what do they have to do? Like, what, that's. The, I don't think they're a hundred win team. They're they're a good team. They're a division champion team. But they're probably ninety five win team if they all stay healthy. They have two guys who are finalists for the MVP: Paul Goldschmidt, and Nolan Arenado. They got two Silver sluggers: Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. They got a Gold Glover and Nolan Arenado. But the same names keep coming up over and over again. They kind of need. They kind of need a third amigo. You know, they they kind of need somebody else in that lineup: Albert Pujols was that guy when they were at their best so who's going to be that guy how do they do that and and if they turn already to prospect jordan walker that's just they can't do that they can't put that on the young guy right away they need him to be the boost to be the lanyap, to be the bonus so how do they what changes them for you is it wilson Contreras? Wilson Contreras would would help. I mean, he'd he'd give you some offense at that position. Again, Yachty's a Hall of Fame defensive catcher. Their catching was lower th- was lower three this past year as far as offense goes. They had one of the lowest OPSs, one of the lowest OPS+, one of the lowest on base, lowest across the board as far as production from the uh, catcher spot. It's so low that if you were to take a guy who's slightly average as a catcher, and now catcher production was not great this year. So if you take a guy who's above average like Christian Vasquez was, who was the catcher for the Houston Astros, the, uh, or the backup for the Houston Astros, you take him, Put him and his production in the Cardinals lineup, then they like take off. They're like one of the better. That's how like just sunk the production was from the Cardinals catcher spot. Yeah, and
0: Wilson could vault
1: that to the top
0: two or three. Uh, But what, what do you give up in run prevention? With, I mean, that's the calculus that the executives are going to do before making that decision. I think what the – look, what the Cubs did last year, if it's out there, if you, could, if you could find a way to get Wilson Contreras and a defensive guy back there and add that to the mix, then you can rotate them based on who works best with Wilson mm-hmm. and then rotate him into another position on the other days. And you get his offensive production when he's catching and when he's not. And you get the other guy who's probably an offensive upgrade from Yachty uh, when he catches. Mm-hmm. And so you you might wind up with a net gain doing yeah. something like that. But, but I still think, you know, you said you need another amigo in the lineup. I mean, if, if you could look in an ideal world, I mean, well, I was, I was going to bring up Brandon Nimmo, what he did last year. If you could count on that. And like I said, he's going to get paid stupid money for who he is. And so that's, that may not happen. But uh, at least he's a left-handed bat who does something. I mean, he can get on base a ton, put him at the top of your order ahead of those guys. At least that does something. But, you know, a, you know, an Anthony Rizzo type guy, a Kyle Schwarber type guy, position aside, would be what that lineup could really use, especially with the shift going away. Mm-hmm. Uh, my God, the the numbers. I mean, all of a sudden you got that that dangerous left-handed hitter in there. So uh, a reunion with Matt Carpenter. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna with that. I'm gonna see if I can beat uh, the odds over here. God damn it!
1: That, should be that was close. So close. What GM meetings? What did you make of these in Vegas? I mean, they're. um it kind of were weird timing because it was mostly during the close period. Baseball has such a limited close period just right there after the World Series where teams can negotiate with their own free agents. Tons of people are tons of players becoming free agents. Agents can meet with other teams and they can talk about years and hopes and goals, but they can't discuss dollars and commas and decimal points. So it's kind of weird. So there were meetings between teams and agents, but there wasn't a whole lot of movement. Um what What'd you make of these? What would you take from these? Yeah, the timing is stupid. I mean, it should <laughs> should have been a, a week later. Yeah. Um, well, it, it would have been if not for the lockout. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. They still could have done it a week later. But um,
0: I don't know. I felt the, the vibe kind of felt more active than usual. But I don't know if that's just because we're in Vegas. But, it, uh, but a lot of people said it It had a vibe and a feel more like the winter meetings. Maybe that's because the hotel was spread out a little bit more. There were a lot of, this is, this is one of the things that stood out. In recent years, in fact, for a long time, you know, there'd be maybe three, maybe four members of any given front office that would show up. There were as many as ten from some front offices. You ran across a lot of executives, a lot of assistant GMs. Our farm director was out there. You know, so uh, that that felt more like the winter meetings, and it just felt like there was, uh, from a, it did feel like there was more to chew on than there than there often is at the GM meetings. I mean, like, and maybe that's because a lot of teams have money, and so and there's a
1: pretty damn good free agent class out there. And yeah. we're emerging from the pandemic, so ticket sales were up, all the revenues were up, $11 billion industry. The pretty strong World Series helped by the fact that both of those teams got the days off before the World Series because of how short the CSs went so they could set their pitching. That led to the quality of the World Series. Um, you know, those are good games, no-hitter, five-home run game. There's a lot going on there. Um, I wonder if maybe it's still the honeymoon period after the uh, – it's the honeymoon period after the lockout breaks if like we're still in that like everyone every, everything last year was so chilly there w- there was a gm meetings but everybody knew what we were on the verge of there wasn't a winter meetings i wonder if there's like some you know there, there's some bloom still about baseball now getting back in a full swing in vo- that, that was in play this week
0: yeah, actually, the, the fact there wasn't a winter meetings last year makes a lot of sense that this would have more life to it. But I'd, I'd go back even further to 2019, um, coming off that season, we'd had multiple years of long, drawn out, uh, glacial free agency seasons, and then all of a sudden in 19, at the winter meetings. Guys were flying off the board with massive contracts, and it looked like the free agent markets were back. And and that was uh, a year, a full couple of years before the end of the CBA. Yeah. But then the pandemic hit in March, and so we had that, and that changed all the financial dynamics across the game, obviously. And then, and then the new CBA. But uh, you know, there's some very real financial differences too, not only just in revenues going up but the luxury tax threshold went up. Right, right. Good call. Yes, yeah, so there's a lot of teams that spend closer to the luxury tax threshold that have more money just because of that. So I, I just think there's so many more teams that have so so much more money for, for all these reasons kind of coming together that this first chance to talk this offseason about, or, or maybe even dream this offseason about what you can do for your team yeah. if you're an executive, uh, adds a lot more life and, and acti-
1: activity to this. That's what it felt like. Yeah. What kind of, so what kind of team? I mean, this is the world tour year, right? Like, the the Cardinals and Cubs are going international with their rivalry. They're taking it over to across the pond to London. What kind of show are they going to take there? Is it going to be like, you know, hey, this is the best the Central has to offer? Well, if... The- bangers and mash, everyone. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, if the Cardinals actually go out and get a third amigo, they'll be bangers against mash. Oh, yeah. did I take your line? Yeah, that was my line. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yes, yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe maybe Xander Bogarts is in a Cubs uniform and Cody Senga is pitching in London. That'd be cool. That that would be pretty cool. Um, Opposite Adam Wainwright. Yeah, can you guys go get somebody
1: who's maybe younger than fifty? I mean, I'm getting close to fifty. What's wrong with fifty, man? It's great for a sports writer. Is it? <laughs> I mean, I mean, look at go look at the Braves. Prime
0: sports writer, prime. Go get Jacob Degrom. Now he's an, he's an old guy. Go get Justin Verla. Get a bunch of get get some more old guys. Get get the old guys together, but like the Hall of Fame old guys too. I mean. I don't know, Wainwright might get there, but bring,
1: bring a few more in. Worked pretty well this past year. Well, that, well, Elbert Pujol is like the best $2.5 million contract of all time. Well, you're not going to get the guys I'm talking about for no. you know. But, yeah, I mean,
0: yeah, I don't know. I, I, it could be fun. It could be fun to be – I'd like to see the, what the Cardinals do. Hey, how about if Wilson Contreras is catching for the Cardinals uh, when he's facing the Cubs in London? That that could be pretty good too. That would be you. You'd write the heck out of that. Oh man, yeah. Somebody, somebody with the Cubs said said uh, we were talking about the Cardinals and Wilson, and said, oh yeah, you could you you could really write that That story, couldn't you? You'd really have fun. I said, I've already written that story
1: three times. (laughs) Well, it's a trilogy that now you'd have the the last moment. So, all right, one last spin and then we'll call it quits. Well, now I have to edit that. that. Thank you. Now, oh well. All right, that is Gordon Wittmeyer of NBC Sports Chicago, longtime baseball writer in Chicago, Cubs beat writer extraordinaire. You can find his work at NBC Chicago where he wrote about the uh, trading places at first base. The first baseman from the south side going up to the north side and the longtime first baseman on the north side, Anthony Rizzo, possibly being a match for the uh, Chicago White Sox. Not going to happen. Not gonna happen. But it no. was fun. It's fun to read. It was fun, it was fun to trading places. Put it the had bear yeah. on the south side and yeah. mess mess with Rickon again. Yeah, well, you rolled the dice on Vegas uh, on a story, and it was good. It was good. It well, it was craps. All right, you said it. I, you're a crap table man. That <laughs> we did learn that phrase, or or you coined that phrase, correct? Yeah, our farm director uh, is a craps table man. Yes. Oh, what I didn't put in there. Also, straight tequila when he's at the craps table. Great. You can find all of that work, including the habits of the farm director for the Chicago Cubs, apparently, at NBC Sports Chicago. You can find all the Cardinals' constant coverage, including a detailed breakdown on where they are at with their payroll and all the complexities that go with deferred money and the Nolan and Auto Trade and all this stuff that is going on with the Cardinals and what they mean when they say they're going to raise payroll. You can find that at stltoday.com and in the pages of the Post-Dispatch. You can find the best podcasts in baseball anywhere. You get your podcasts, including where you get a podcast. What's the name of your podcast? Uh, Cubs, Cubs Talk podcast I think Cubs talk podcast that's a good one yeah I've been a guest on it it was exciting
0: yeah, that was good you, you were one of our best guests oh
1: cool yeah you can find that on iTunes along with the best podcast in baseball where you can rate and review and subscribe to the podcast subscriptions make the sponsorships possible sponsorships make the podcast possible and coming up will be a podcast that has a world series theme it got a little bit delayed but that's coming up next Gordon thank you very much for uh, for joining me here while you were playing the uh, the, what is this called? Uh, Real Hots 7 Classic. Alright, whatever. Hey, uh, Derek. Can I borrow 20 bucks? <laughs>